0: Welcome to Just James, the podcast. We hope this episode enlightens, illuminates, and illustrates a new outlook for your life. And now, here is our host. Well, hello, hello, everyone. It's your boy, it's me, it's me, it's PJV. And that's no cap, that's big facts. Welcome to the podcast again. Uh, Before I begin, just want to give a major shout out to all of those who came out to the uh, documentary, Alabama premiere of Unspoken. Um, Thank you for everyone who came and supported. Um, And all proceeds from uh, the the concessions went to Steve's mother, uh, Ms. Zelma Perkins. So um, it was a great work. I appreciate everybody who showed up and supported. I also want to give another shout out to my brother, my brother, man, Uh, Bishop uh, Patrick Tucker, for his first year anniversary at Union Grove in Decatur, Alabama. Man, love you, man. Hope you enjoy your vacation. Hope you enjoy your time with your family, man. Um, Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Um, Today's topic is how do I read the Bible? You know, how how do I read the Bible? Um, for those of you who know, who may not know, currently we're living in one of the most biblically illiterate eras of human history, in, in my humble opinion. So we're going to have to really um, dissect this, how to read the Bible, right? Because everybody wants to go into the Bible and pull out what they want, to pull out what they think, which is called uh, eisegesis. You know that you pull out what your, your what your bias says, what your opinion says. But what we're supposed to do is something called exegesis, which was to exegete the text. In other words, the Bible will speak for itself. Okay, let's dig in. I think the first question that's pertinent to All of this is first off what is the Bible what is it first off the Bible is not a book I'm gonna say it again the Bible is not a book the Bible is not a book the Bible is a canon and a canon is a collection of books okay it's a collection of books The Bible was primarily written written in three languages, Hebrew, Greek, Koine Koine Greek to be exact, and Aramaic. Those are the three languages of the Bible. Um, Of course, my favorite website is blueletterbible.org. It's a free online uh, reference, lexicon, and concordance that you can use. And you will find that they pull from a couple sources, which is the Septuagint, which is the Old Testament in Greek. Uh, the Texas Receptus, Texas Vaticanus, and Texas Sinaiticus, I think. Those are the three uh, main uh, sources that they pull from in regards to the Old Testament. Then with the New Testament, we have over 30,000 copies. I know people think it's small, but really we have a lot of copies of the New Testament. Um, and I'll go in deeper into that. Okay, so how did we get the Bible? How did we get the Bible? Um, we got the Bible based upon um, what was considered divinely inspired texts. What most people consider to be the Apocrypha or the Gnostic Gospels was writ- they were primarily most of them were primarily written in a time, especially the Gnostic Gospels, they were written in a time after uh, most of what is in the New Testament was already written. So the New Testament was written between. Uh, 40 and 70 A.D. Okay, that's when most of it was written. Uh, what's important about, what is important about 70 A.D.? Well, 70 A.D. is the fall of the temple to which uh, the Jewish writer uh, Josephus documents in his book War of the Jews and Antiquity of the Jews. He documents the fall of the temple. Okay, so the Gospels and the letters of the New Testament are written in that time. Okay, um, as we continue to read the Bible, we find that people, like I said, like to argue, oh, there were lost books. There weren't lost books. There were certain parts of the Bible that were not divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit. Well, how can we say that? Well, there are certain parts of the Apocrypha, of these lost books, that does not correspond with Jewish thought, Jewish philosophy, and Jewish historicity the only thing that really coincides with Jewish history is the first and second Maccabees for the Maccabean War which happened in the 400 years of silence where God wasn't speaking between Malachi and Matthew okay so that would that is more so a, a history perspective not necessarily a divine perspective but a historical account um so when we consider other bibles with other uh, books like the book of enoch and stuff like that though they did read the book of enoch um the book of enoch is not considered scripture based upon the fact that there are certain parts of enoch that contradicts the tanakh it contradicts uh the Pentateuch, the first five books of the bible and the prophets okay and the jews held that above any and every, uh, every everything else which is the law of moses and the word of the prophets, okay, of the Old Testament, and if it did not agree with that, they did not consider it, okay. They did not consider it, all right. So let's continue on. So now we we have this Bible that are written by a whole bunch of authors over a period of fifteen hundred years, and they're all telling this one story, which leads up, of course, according to Christian thought, leading up to the Messiah, whom I believe as a Christian, whom more, who Christians believe is Jesus Christ. Okay? So that's the, it the backdrop of the Bible um, and how we got the Bible. No, it's not created at the Council, not sealed by uh, Constantine. No, that's false. Please stop watching Da Vinci Code. That's trash. It's only for entertainment. If you actually believe that it actually has a historical merit, that's trash. Sorry. Um... <laughs> But now we let's go into how how do how do you read the Bible. I know we have a group of people who um believe that <clears throat> we have a group of people that believe that uh they can use chapter numbers and verse numbers for gematria which is Jewish mysticism in regarding to numbers. But I need you to understand that the the chapter numbers and verse numbers are not in the original manuscripts. Those were added to make reading the Bible easier. They have no they have no spiritual significance, nor any cultural significance. The chapter numbers or verse numbers they have none. Okay, it's only to make reading easy. Okay, it's only to make reading easy. That's it. So in order for you to understand a passage, you can't just really say a verse unless you really pull out, you know, exegete what that verse is saying. But in order to truly exegete that passage, sometimes you have to read the entire chapter just for the sake of that one verse. Because like I said, you just can't read that one verse and make it a law. And that's what most people do ignorantly. And that let and when people just quote one verse, especially try to debunk the Bible, that lets me know that they know nothing about the Bible. So they really need to sit under somebody and actually learn how it works. Um. Another aspect of how we are supposed to read the Bible that I don't think many of us consider is that understanding that the Bible is a very is a culture-based book, or excuse me, a culture-based canon. See. And what, what do you mean by that? That what, what I mean by that is that there are cultural nuances in this Bible that you need to consider. Okay, There are turn of phrases, there are slang, there's all these different things because it's written from a particular cultural context to a particular cultural context. So let me elaborate on this. The Bible is written for you, but it's not written to you. I'm going to say that again. The Bible is written for you, but it's not written to you. And what that means is primarily the people that was been written to were were mentioned in in these various uh, books. Um, Come on, we go go through the New Testament. You know, the book of uh, the letter of the Corinthians, the letter of the Galatians, the Ephesians. Understand that the Ephesians didn't get what the Colossians got. The Colossians didn't get what the Corinthians got. You know, the Corinthians didn't get what what the Galatians got. So these were letters directed to a specific group addressing their own problems, or it could be dress, addressing a particular culture or group of people. OK, so when you're reading the Bible, especially the Old Testament, the first five books, understand that the first five books of the Bible, especially uh The laws in regards to uh Deuteronomy and Leviticus, right, which is the the law books, those two books is are essentially a constitution for a nation. so when people bring up issues about the Bible, most of them they'll quote something in between Deuteronomy and Leviticus, and then they'll understand that hey, this is a constitution for a nation that is fifteen hundred years over fifteen hundred years removed from us. So they're going to have customs and practices and rules. That's not going to make sense to us to end our time, okay? It's for that particular culture. And it was for them to be what? To be set apart from other nations, okay? That was the whole purpose of, of, of the laws, of the 613 laws that was added uh, to the Ten Commandments, okay? So I want you to think of the Ten Commandments like the Bill of Rights, right? And every other law as stuff, that just a regular amendments, Okay? That's how you have to really think about it. So, um, so any people, anytime people bring up a concern or contradiction or uh, the, the Deuteronomy says this, Leviticus says that or whatever, understand this is a rule book for a culture that is thousands of years removed from ours. Okay? So of course it's not going to make sense. Of course it's not going to be uh, particularly... Uh, culturally relevant to us and when you read what this bible is saying understand that the English language is not really a good language it's it's really a trash language in my opinion so when you you see a word people are thinking well it says this yeah it says that in English but you gotta understand it's translated or transliterated from another language and that language has it's own definition of that word So you're going to have to do deeper and better research and find out what that word means. So case in point to no offense to my oneness apostolic brothers and sisters, um, but we have something there's something in the Shema, right? Uh, The word that they love to say is behold, Israel, the Lord, thy God is one, right? People who deny the Trinity say, oh, see, it's one God. That's it. But hold on, hold on. This is the reason it says, Behold Israel. So that means they're speaking to Jews. They're speaking to the Hebrews, right? So that means that this word has a meaning to a particular culture. So when I look up what that word one there in the Hebrew means, that word one there is a Hebrew word ikhad. Ikhad which means united or together. So the original uh, statement of that is, behold Israel, the Lord our God is together. The Lord our God is united, or he stands in unity. So now that begs the question, who does God stand in unity with if there's no other God like him? Let's go to Genesis. What it says in Genesis is, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Ooh, that word our, us, means a distinction between two or more persons. He's not talking to the angels. Why does he need to consult with angels about his own creation? But what it actually verifies is a distinction of persons within the Godhead. And we see that in uh, uh in Exodus. We see that in the first five books and in Genesis, we see that. Okay? And we see what we call the the, the Christophany or someone who stand who we see images of Christ in the Old Testament, right? Of course, in Genesis chapter one, we see that the Spirit hovered over the deep, right? And then we hear God says, uh, let there be light, right? So in one of the first uh, Christophanies that we see uh in, in in the passages uh would be some people say it's melchizedek some people believe that melchizedek was jesus or a christophany right uh one that was definitely christophany was the soldier that went to uh, uh um joshua to which joshua asked him who are you are you for us or for our enemies and he said neither he said neither i am the captain of the hosts of the armies of the Lord and the ground that you stand on is holy ground. And what did they do? What did Joshua do? He took off his shoes and bowed. That was not an angel. That was Jesus. Let's go back a little bit further. The burning bush. I am that I am. We go and you see they said, take off your shoes for the ground that you stand on is holy ground. And then you jump to the gospels to as Jesus says before Abraham was I am. Hmm. So Jesus is essentially saying that he every earthly manifestation of God was essentially Jesus, because the Bible says you cannot look into the at that time you cannot look into the Father's face and live, but you can look at the Son. <laughs> okay, you can't look at the Father, but you can look at the Son. Right. So, and that's what I'm saying when you're reading the, these passages. Uh, I'm, quoting, I'm quoting that uh, the Shema, the whole issue of the Lord thy God is one. you got to find out what these words mean. For example, in, in uh, John three sixteen, you know it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Pause. Let's find out what that word world there means in the Greek. We find out that that word world there, it means cosmos. So that means what happened on Calvary wasn't just something that shifted the earth, it shifted the entire universe. So that means no matter where you go, no matter how far you go on this planet or another planet or this galaxy or another galaxy, the blood of Jesus is going to be there. The blood of Jesus works over there too, okay? So that's what we gotta do when we're reading this Bible, understand that this is from a completely different language completely different culture so they're going to have completely different meanings. If that doesn't make sense, let me um, let, let me uh, back up. Okay, So this is how you're supposed to investigate the word of God. This is how you're supposed to investigate it. So l- let's say um, this phrase is written down quote Abra, old boy over there is lining you up end quote. That, that phrase right there. Abra, old boy over there is lining you up. Okay? And that passage now is buried under some rubble or buried in a jar, you know? And it was discovered 2,000, 3,000 years later. And you dig it up and it says, Abra, old boy over there is lining you up. So this is what you're supposed to do. I hear the phrase, Abra. Old oh boy over there is lining you up. The way I'm hearing that, that means it. it that sounds cultural. It sounds cultural. So when I translate into to a normal language, it should say, "Excuse me, sir. This person over there is doing something." Okay, but we have to find the cultural context. So with the language that was used, we find out it was ebonics, like slang of the African American context. So that means it's two black people talking, most likely. <laughs> But we understand from that translation, it can have two different meanings. Uh, Abra, oh boy, over there is lining you up. That could mean, hey, hey, man, look out, this person over there is eyeballing you like he wants to do something to you. Or it could mean, Abra, hey or hey, hey, guy, uh, that guy over there, that barber, he's, he's the one that's going to cut your hair. He's the one that's going to line you up. So you got to do digging to find out which one is the correct interpretation. So this is why you read the verses before and after, right? This is why you look at the theme, the setting, the place, all that kind of stuff. You got to look at all that kind of stuff when you're reading the Bible. Don't take your brain out when you read the Bible. The Bible says, come and let us reason together. You got to consider the theme. You got to consider the setting. You got to consider the time. What's going on culturally? What's going on socially, right? So, if, if that phrase was, you know, was there, hey, bro, over, over there is lining you up. And you see something that says um, the whizzing of machines, right? The whizzing of machines. Okay, that gives us a little bit more detail. Well, where was this um, particular uh, phrase found? Well, this phrase was found in what seemed to be a place with checkered floors, hmm Checkered floors, and there were chairs in there, and then there was these big, comfy chairs in there. Hmm. And we find that there's saw and clippers and a blade. So that lets us know that this phrase was written down in a barbershop. It wasn't written down at a gas station, the person being threatened. It was said, pointing out to someone else that, hey, bruh, This man is about to cut your hair. That's how you're supposed to dig into the text. You have to consider every aspect, the cultural significance, right? The the social, economical conditions. What is happening in this time? For for example, when we are reading the passages when Paul says, you know, uh, that women are not supposed to speak, right? They, They can't speak in the church. But guess what? the prior chapter paul says they can prophesy with their heads covered wait hold on that seems contradictory whenever in your mind you you think that there's a contradiction in the bible you are wrong you are wrong because the bible does not contradict itself okay these were very intelligent men at that time very intelligent men they weren't dumb okay so consider that that maybe my approach is wrong. So what do I have to do? Let me, let me, let me search the culture. What, what's happening? What's going on in Corinth? right? What, what's going on there? What you find there is that in Corinth, historically speaking, Corinth was considered like the modern-day Las Vegas. And at Corinth, there was a temple of Aphrodite. okay? There was a temple of Aphrodite. And Aphrodite was known to have prostitutes there, right? And and the women could do essentially whatever they wanted because they had no type of uh, authority over them. So a lot of these women that were in Corinth were leaving uh, the worship of Aphrodite and coming into the church. And they had the same rambunctious behavior they did with Aphrodite with Yahweh, with Jesus, and Paul is correcting them, saying, hey, "Hey, hey, you know, this ain't that. You know, what you did back then, back in the day, we ain't doing that here. There's something completely different. This is a completely different dispensation. This is a completely different uh, understanding. This is a completely different system. Okay. All right. Another point. I'm gonna keep on going. All right. So, <clears throat> um, the Church of Laodicea. Right." Uh, That's the passage in the book of Revelation where it says, uh, you know, either be hot or be cold, right? Don't be lukewarm, right? So we've always, if you heard it preached horribly, it says, oh, be hot for Jesus or you cold for the devil. Don't be lukewarm. And eh, Hallelujah. No, 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 no. Okay. This is the real story. Laodicea is between two springs. There's a hot spring that's on the top of the mountain, and there's a cold spring at the bottom of the mountain. So what was happening in Laodicea, they built aqueducts. These are man-made rivers. They built aqueducts, a form of early plumbing, from each hot spring to Laodicea. The problem that they were having in Laodicea was that by the time the water got to Laodicea, It will be lukewarm the the hot water will be lukewarm and the cold water will be lukewarm okay and they did not have bottled water they had water up in the just out in the open okay so with lukewarm water it draws parasites and bacteria so this lukewarm water was causing people to be sick it was causing people to be sick that's what the that's the issue with the lukewarm is that you're being still. You're not doing anything. You're not, you're not moving. You have lost your quality. If you're gonna be cold, be cold, because some people like cold water. There's a usage for cold water. If you're gonna be hot, be hot. You know, people like hot water for some reasons. But don't be lukewarm. What he's saying is, don't be still. Don't be stagnant. That's what he's saying. But many people don't know that because we're not digging deep enough into the word. We're very shallow with how we preach. Because once again. We are biblically in a we are in a biblically illiterate era and time. So we gotta we we gotta dig the deeper uh, when we study. Like I said, I always talk about it. They should they should sponsor me at this point. <laughs> Blueletterbible.org. Bible.org. It's free. Right? It's free. And it can help you as you dissect the word. It's helped me pl- t- plenty of times. Okay? Plenty of times. Right. get you a good study bible get you a good bible dictionary okay get you a good bible dictionary not necessarily a webster's dictionary because once again there are certain terms culturally in the bible that cannot be defined by the english language you got to define it by their language like the word shekinah there is no english word for the word shekinah what shekinah is a phrase that means his ever-present glory that, that, that's what Shekinah means. Okay, hallelujah. There is no English translation or English word for hallelujah to put in a sentence. Or it means glory to God in the highest. All right? So, in our studies and in our consideration of the text and how we read, we have to be a little bit more diligent in the text. You got to be able to comprehend a little bit more. Because one thing I hate when I hear young guys preach, they'll preach so surface. I'm like, no, you can dig a little bit more of that text, bro. You can do a little bit more. You can pull a little bit more out of that text, man. Don't cheat yourself. Don't cheat yourself, bro. You can do a whole lot more with that text. You can pull a whole lot more with that text, bro. Come on, sis. Come on up but we're just repeating what we've heard. No original thought, no meditation, no divine revelation or insight on the word of God. We're just rehashing. And those days are over with. You gotta read the Bible, y'all. I was saying today that when you read the Bible, you won't be shocked about the stuff that's happening in the world. If If you're a Christian and you're shocked about Gaza in Israel, then you haven't been reading the Bible. It was inevitable. Now, I'm not saying that the lives that are lost uh, during this siege um, mean nothing. They do mean something because these are innocent lives that are being murdered. They're being uh, falsely killed for the works of some people, and I don't think that's fair. However, the Bible tells us these things were going to happen. So I don't know why you're shocked, but you're shocked because you don't read. That's why you're shocked. You're shocked because you don't sit down and analyze the text. That's why you're shocked. God has already said what he's going to say through his word. He already said it. But you got to but you have to show your own self approved. You got to study, you got to read. No you don't want to. But shoot, you ain't got no excuse. You have audio books. You have places like the the Bible Project on YouTube. They broke down whole books of the Bible to make it easy. Just give you a big summary. There's so many resources, audio books, like I said, YouTube pages and 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 videos and all this stuff. Like, there's so much content out here that explains the Bible and biblical principles very thoroughly that you don't even consider. You're not even used to help yourself study to get to know God for yourself. Or get to know the Word of God for yourself. Because John 1.1 says what? In the beginning was what? The Word. And what? The Word was God and the Word was with God. Right? And if you skip to verse 14, what does it say? It says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So how can you know who Jesus is if you don't know the word? Hmm? How, how can you have an authentic relationship with God if you're not even being attuned to what he said in the first place? You have to be more diligent. You have to be more faithful to the text. That's my time, y'all. Hope y'all had a blessed time. Um, once again uh, if if you'd like to place an ad please inbox me uh, and we can get all that stuff situated pray and hope you enjoyed yourself in the meantime and in between time stay blessed no stress thank you for listening to Just James the podcast If this episode helped you and you know it can help someone you know, please like, follow, subscribe and share from all platforms to stay updated on new episodes. In the meantime and in between time, peace and increase.